Hey, if it's no matter. Oh, it's online. Right, the, everything on the internet is true. That's how the internet works. Good morning, good day, and good evening. And good night. Good night. Welcome to the Insomnia Report. Episode 40. Four zero. Wow. Wow. That's a lot. That's a lot. That's That's a lot. That's a lot. Thank you all for being here. Wow. Yeah. If this is your first time listening, welcome. If you've listened before, welcome back. And if you've listened to 40 of these, I'm looking at you, Mom. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you so much for being here with us. We really appreciate it. We're so happy to have you. Yes. I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. And we are the two friends and roommates that like to talk about the things that keep us up at night. night. We got a wild card for you on this, this 40. Here we go. It is anything there are no rules we say that every time i'm gonna light the candle and elizabeth is gonna tell me what has kept her up this week i like i think i should think about this beforehand you know every single (laughs) 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 playing the maracas with the matches just trying to mix it up yeah it's literally it's good what has kept me up kept me up looking at bachelorette memes oh that's always fun like the day after the episode airs like yeah. the, the devil works hard but the internet works harder right um went to our first post-covid concert which was fun that was fun shout out to pokey lafarge yes i'm going to minnesota next week to visit kirsten thanks for listening kirsten very excited. What's kept you up? Let's see. I finally took PTO this past week Yay. for the first time since December. It was really, really nice, and I can't believe I waited that long. But no, that was really nice. And then I'm going to Florida next week, um, so that's also Ooh. cool. My brother in the military's home on leave. My dad's flying out to see him, and then. We're going to visit my grandma in Florida, so it'll be nice. little Florida vacation. You're ready? I am. Tell me something wild. All right. This one's pretty wild. Okay. Whenever something seems to be going wrong, we tend to look for an explanation, which is why I think some people are really interested in true crime because there's always a want to have some sort of explanation for something so horrible, like how could someone be like this or what caused them to do this? What We want answers, typically. We want answers. We want answers. When we do something wrong, we tend to blame it on an external factor. So if you fail an exam, you know, you didn't sleep the night before or, 
you know, you didn't have time to study. If you were late, it was because, you know, no one on the road knows how to drive. I mean, speaking of driving, if someone cuts you off, you know, you yell and shake your fist at them and honk and you're like, hey, learn how to drive, lady. But, you know, if you cut someone off, you're like, oh, sorry. Yeah. Right. But I, <laughs> I think it's also fair to say that people like structure. They like have an assurance of things, which is why we, you know, check forecasts or the traffic reports. Uh, it's why we plan or save for the future. I mean, it's it's simple human nature, I I think. I think it also goes without saying that 2020 was nobody's year. Mm-mm. And there was a lot of unpredictable things going on. And you could say that. That's, that's saying it lightly. <laughs> the thing with any sort of disaster, epidemic, pandemic, what have you, there's also a rise of fear and people tend to try to look for answers or connect the dots with things that people do know. So in the past couple of years, there has been a rise of doomsday predictions. Ooh. Elizabeth and I are pretty young, I will say. Uh, but in our timeline, we, I guess, should have been wiped out by several different predictions at this point. So, you know, there was the Y2K bug mm-hmm. uh, where people thought that the computers would not be able to handle the change to the new millennium. <laughs> Like, in hindsight, that's so stupid, but people totally freaked out about it. I mean, not the computers. Not the computers. But the New York Times reported that people s- started to stock up on canned foods in their basement, like, in 1999. There was the preacher and family radio network president, Harold Camping, and he thought May 21st, 2011 was Judgment Day. <laughs> and then let's not forget about 2012. That was the end of the Mayan calendar. Uh, The Mayan calendar had some pretty coincidental similarities or synchronicities, which caused people to think because the calendar was ending, the world would therefore be ending. It didn't happen. I remember I was a little slightly anxious that day. and I I just remember sitting in history class being like, why am I here? Why am I not with my parents? And then I just remember sitting on my bed and then I went to bed. And and for the it, it was fine, yeah. It was like snowing, but that was it. Hmm. It's it's just a few panics in our lifetime, specifically. But to name a few others, in the year 1666, there was a, actually a great fire in London, and as we know, the number 666 are associated with the Antichrist. There was a French astronomer named Camille Flammion that. Sh- thought Halley's Comet would wipe out the Earth in 1910. And this actually caused mass hysteria, and people claimed Halley's Comet was the evil eye in the sky. And people bought something called anti-comet pills, <laughs> which I feel like is like snake oil or whatever. It's oh, like, totally. I'm sorry, what? Yeah, just buy these anti-comet pills. Like everyone around you that doesn't take it will be wiped out, but you'll be fine. Oh, my God. Or people also, you know, stocked up on gas baths. So essentially, since the beginning of time, people have thought the end was nigh. So today we're going to explore some of these further to see some connections and to further understand kind of the root or some similarities behind Mm. these. There are so many, so I'm just focusing on 
kind of one main one and then mm-hmm. some more recent ones. I'm sure there's so many sub ones or some people that can be honed in on specifically. Like I don't talk about Notre Dame, but he was a really big one. We're going back, like way, way back, and then we're going to touch on some recent events. So disclaimer, I'm, I'm going to be talking about religion, and if I misspeak, mean no offense by this, I'm just relaying information, having a conversation. I am not in any way, shape, or form having a negative opinion. I, I, I've never read the Bible, and some of this comes from the Bible, so I th- it's my interpretation, so... That I'm just letting. I feel like the Bible's pretty open to interpretation, right? So. Like I've never read it, so I don't know. Like if Zechariah told <laughs> Shebediah, I don't. I don't know. Anyway, uh, the end of the world has been discussed in numerous religious texts. So in the Old Testament, we see this from Ezekiel, Zechariah, and the Book of Daniel. So Daniel is in the Hebrew Bible, and in the Christian Bible, he is grouped with the major prophets. In the New Testament, it's in Revelations from John of Patmos. So I'm primarily talking about the Christian view on the end of the world today. So the end of time has been mentioned in other religions, but we are diving into the second coming of Christ and the four horsemen of the apocalypse. Which this is kind of what got me. What is it? Like, I don't know. I was watching a video in the YouTube algorithm showed me like this tattoo artist working on a piece for the four horsemen. I'm like, I don't really know what that is. So then I kind of nosedive. In the book of Revelations, John explains that he has a vision of the ap- apocalypse and there are seven seals. So the seven, not like, er, er, but like <laughs> some <laughs> seven things locked away. They are individual seals of scrolls that are held in God's right hand. You know what that reminded me of? Sorry to interrupt. What? Horcruxes. <gasps> You're right. You're right. JK. Absolutely. <laughs> ha. Yeah. You're absolutely right. Oh I didn't okay. I can't believe I didn't make Sorry. that connection. But it's it's true. Because the Lamb of God or Jesus opens them individually, which marks the second coming. So once all of them have been opened, that's when Jesus can come back. And And the seal is sort of like a sword in the stone situation where they have a wax seal over the scrolls, but only the lamb is worthy of breaking the seal. So you wouldn't be able to open it unless you were like the true person to see it. The prophecy. So there's seven. The first four of them are the four horsemen. Mm, So we open the the first prophecy, the first seal. And the first horseman descends and he is on a white horse so the first seal breaks and there's a sound of thunder and the first beast says come and see so the first horseman on his white horse carries a bow and he is given a crown color theory white represents birth purity and goodness he is said to be the horseman of conquest to spread the word of jesus however in the mid 19th century scholars actually took a a bit more of a deep dive and said, wait a minute, this should not be thought as conquest or as pure. No, no. Scholars actually believe the horseman was the Antichrist (gasps) and gave the identity 
to him instead of conquest of pestilence. Oh, that's, those are so different, though. Well, it should be known that pestilence means the spread. So in, in mm. one way, it was, okay, he's spreading the good word, but it's actually the spread of infectious disease or one that brings the plague. The plague. The plague. Well, so, we just saw that. Wait, right? So this writer is not to be confused with Jesus, even though he tends to claim because he's coming on this white horse, he's given a crown, he has a bow. And with this crown, though, it is a laurel wreath crown. And... In Greek and Roman history, laurel wreath crowns was a symbol for victory. However, they were given to those who were victorious from war. They were heroes or wise men. But those men that have been depicted to wear these laurel wreath crowns throughout history have gained their victory by force Mm. rather than by good. So they were ones that said that they could solve humanity's problems with force or basically I'm here to save the day, but they actually were more so false messiahs rather than doing it for the good. They are doing it for power. So examples of this include Julius Caesar, Apollo, Charlemagne, Charles V, and Napoleon. Mm. With Napoleon, he has been painted there's a portrait of him on his deathbed wearing the crown oh yeah it's also said that jesus used the sword of his mouth and not the force of a bow because the first horseman came with a bow Mm. so you know jesus was like peace and love and he's like i need power the other guy right i mean i wasn't there but additionally the white horseman is followed by the other horseman And Jesus is followed by angels, and Jesus is wearing many crowns. I don't know if they were having, like, a crown sale, but he was given (laughs) seven crowns. Does he have, like, seven heads? No, not quite. Because, you know, like, (laughs) angels are supposed to or whatever. Are they? We, um, in CCD, like, I found a worksheet in my, the back of my closet from our Catholic education um, that described all of the angels and what they looked like, and... They had like 12 pairs of eyes and like... I don't like that. Stuff like that. Yeah. It was a lot. I don't remember that. Yeah. Anyway. Okay. (laughs) Well, um, maybe. I mean, Jesus is whoever... However you interpret him. He's just... I mean, but the first horseman is the Antichrist. Okay. The second horseman, he rides in the wake of the white horse. And when the second seal is broken, the red horse comes out And he is expected to take the peace from the earth. So he would cause men to slay one another. He carried a great sword that was given to him, and he was the horseman of war. His horse was fiery red. Not sure if the horse was on fire or just like fire and red. (laughs) But he was ready to enter battle. So red symbolizes intense emotion, including anger, danger, bloodshed, and passion. So the white horses also showed to, you know, be ready for war, but they kind of tie in to seize control, whereas the red horseman is the military force. So the force of the second one is enables the white horseman. He leads the way to have the victory or in a a way okay additionally scholars believe 
the line in the passage, men would slay one another, refers to civil war. So in Roman times, it was thought that this was when the golden era fell, causing the peace to leave Rome and, and the empire. So then the third horseman rides on a black horse. So when the third seal is broken, John heard the word come, and behold, the third rider carried a pair of scales in his hand. So this is the horseman of famine. Ooh. The voice said, a quart of wheat for a denarius and three quarts of barley for a denarius, but do not damage the oil or the wine. He had his priorities straight. Don't mm. touch the wine. No, it's the scales can be thought of to show justice. However, in times of famine, food was actually weighed out to be mm. distributed. And the items that he mentioned are ingredients for bread, so the wheat or the barley. And denarius is what you would receive for one day's of work, so like a currency. So a quart of wheat for one denarius, so you get a quart of wheat for one day's of work and three quarts of barley for one day's of work, which isn't really a lot. Or it, mm -hmm. The oil and wine is also thought to be a luxury, so it's kind of like in the French Revolution when Marie Antoinette's thought to have said, like, oh, let them eat cake, but they couldn't even afford bread. It's kind of like, mm -hmm. okay, well, if they're starving, they're not going to spend their money on – I mean, hopefully they're not going to spend their money on oil if they don't have, like – bread to go with it you know and if there were locusts which is also mentioned during no. the like the rapture locusts tend to destroy grains before they would touch the grape or olive trees so if we tie it to the fall of the roman empire there was extreme taxation which caused the rich and the royal to thrive whereas the poor struggled for basic necess necessities and then back to color theory the black symbolizes power death evil and mourning the fourth horseman is the only horseman to be identified by a specific name rather than a color and this is death Ooh. so death rides in on a pale horse and the way it's translated it can be either sickly a greenish yellow, a pale green, ashen, or pallid. And some scholars say it more so represents a corpse rather Gross. than a color. Yeah. Some artistic depictions show the Grim Reaper with his scythe on a straight up green horse, like Wizard of Oz color <laughs> green. But I think Hair dye horse. <laughs> even the jello off or like the, the powder. Um, oh my god. I taste good. But I think kind of the corpse makes sense. So quote when the fourth seal is broken, upon the pale horse had the name of death, and Hades followed him. Authority was given to him, and over one-fourth of the earth would be killed from his sword and with famine and with pestilence and the wild beasts of the earth. Hades can be interpreted as a place, so that is the underworld, or it can be known as the, in the mythology, the keeper of the underworld. So death was given authority to kill, and Hades would collect the souls after the horsemen got to them. The carnage oppression famine and failure of providing for the people leads to the death so death also symbolizes the end of the roman empire collectively as i mentioned there are seven seals the first four are the horsemen so you have the antichrist the global and civil war economic collapse and a fourth of the population dying 
Nice. Yeah. No, it's not nice. It's, it's horrible. It's not, but you can kind of tie it back. I could see how people would tie it back to what's been going on because certain leaders, we have some days we're on the brink of a civil war. Mm-hmm. I mean, the pandemic caused economic, There, there's a lot going on. Like mm-hmm. people are starving. The rich just keep getting richer and then a fourth of the population dead. Yeah. So I can I can kind of see where people like that's what kind of creeped me out. I was like, ooh. Yeah. Like when you kind of lay it all out, it's a little I'm not saying like we're at the end of the world, but And we have the cicadas this year, which aren't locusts, but there were locusts in Africa though. So the fifth seal is the people crying out to God because these things are happening and the the tests or the horsemen take over a you know a couple of years of time so it's kind of like a test to see who's faithful to god mm. and in a way of you know when these horsemen are released or when they're roaming around it's kind of to see like if you s- stay true to your faith mm-hmm. the sixth seal are disasters so you'll have your earthquakes you'll have blizzards you'll the the sun is blacked out during this time so nothing can grow the moon is a blood i don't like a blood moon or it's like literally filled with blood i don't know Ah, whose Um, blood is it whose blood the blood of no the bread of god whose blood all the blood shed it's the wow it's the second horse he's just collecting it i don't know paints the moon with with the blood of his enemies. Great. That's a lot of blood. Yeah. The moon's pretty big. It is. The world is also going to be burnt to a crisp. Uh, so you have that going on. Mm. Just stand in the middle. Just figure out like where <laughs> where the sweet spot is. The stars will fall. And during this time, you know, it'll be completely dark. And when we're in the dark phase... All of the demons that are trapped in the earth will be released. Oh, come on. Mm. No, really? Yeah, I'm sorry. Why? Uh, why is this necessary? Why is any of this necessary? Excuse are, me. Are, we're damned. I don't know. Excuse me. I don't like we that. We died for our sins, and I, I, don't, I, don't know. I don't understand either, but I don't like that part. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm no, not cool with that. No, no. And then the seventh stage or seal is... There will be silence in heaven for 30 minutes. And that's never happened before. But okay. I guess everything will go silent, which is creepy. Yeah, I don't like that. I don't like that. Okay. There's a lot I don't like about any of this. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. So once all of these seals have been broken, that is when the second coming of Jesus will come. And then there will be a battle of Jesus versus the Antichrist. Ooh, it's epic. Like, the biggest fight, like you have to get a premium subscription. <laughs> get your popcorn. <laughs> right? I know. Extra butter. Of course. I'm sure you've heard of Doomsday. You've heard of Rapture. You've heard the second, all of these things. So I just also wanted to clarify the Rapture is described as a period prior to the second coming. So what would happen if, if and when the Rapture occurs? Anyone who is truly faithful, well, that's when they get like beamed up to like heaven. They'll just <laughs> right. like, I watched like a documentary and it was super dramatic. It was like this guy driving a bus and he was just gone and the bus crashed. Oh my God. It was like, what would happen? Like pilots 
like planes would yeah, crash. Yeah, that would be, like, that'd be real bad. Right. That'd so, real bad. but the idea of that is if you are good, you don't have to to witness the apocalypse mm. because the good get... people get beamed up. Right. But then it's also stressful because it's like p- the people around you won't see what's happening. Mm. So it also, it made me really sad because it's like, yeah, you'll think your family members just go missing. And it's like, oh my God. Wait, so my, I'm like, my mom gets to go and I have to stay for the apocalypse. I need my mom. <laughs> like, I need her for that. I can't, I can't survive the apocalypse alone. Oh no. So uh, that's what the rapture is though. So the idea is. If you survive the rapture, you're you're good. You don't have to go through this. And then the second coming is the aftermath. So if you survive that, when Jesus defeats the Antichrist, then there will be a, sort of a new world and the world will know peace. Wow. And then everything will be like rebirth. So regardless of theories or prophecies or what have you, in Matthew 24, 36, it clearly states that no one will know the day or the hour. Like, literally no one knows. Like, not even the angels in heaven. Jesus doesn't even know when he's like, has to go to battle. Like, only God knows. It's like a scary surprise party. And, like, mm. what if Jesus hasn't been conditioning and he's, right. you know, like, the pandemic just happened. Like, what if he's just been a little couch potato and he's like, I have to go fight the Antichrist now? Right. So... The reason I bring this up is, as mentioned, when times are hard, people tend to think it's the end of time. And further, God told Solomon in Chronicles 7, 13 through 15, quote, When I shut up the heavens and there is no rain, locusts devour the land, or plague is among the people, I will heal the land. So this is kind of what triggered this because in the statement, when there is no rain, people thought, Okay, there's wildfires in Australia Mm. and California, and then there were locusts attacking Africa, Mm -hmm. and then, of course, the plague was 2020. So this all happened in early 2020. Wow. So I can understand why people would be a little stressed out by that, but there are always talks about this. It causes panic, as you remember our store's were bare and we could not find toilet paper. Further, this past year, the doomsday clock was changed. For background, there is a society or a group of scientists called the Bulletin of Atomic Scientists. They were founded in 1945 following the bombing of Hiroshima and Nagasaki. So, like I mentioned, it was founded in 1945 by Albert Einstein and a bunch of other scientists from the University of Chicago. Hey! And they developed the first atomic weapons in the Manhattan Project. I don't know a lot about the Manhattan Project, so that'll probably be an episode for... Wasn't that when they bombed Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Right, so they created the the weapons oh, for it. Oh, wow. So they released a newsletter called The Bulletin of the Atomic Scientists, and they decided to, they established it in 45, but then in 47, they decided to make this public and available. Um, so they created the metaphor, the doomsday clock in 1947. A woman named... Myrtle Langsdorf was an artist and she was a wife to one of the scientists. So they asked her if she could kind of create the 
imagery for the newsletter. So she created a metaphor or the imagery for this. So if you're looking at a clock, midnight is when the apocalypse would happen. And it's a contemporary idiom of a nuclear explosion, which is counting down to zero. So it symbolizes any threat to the planet or a threat on humanity. So every year in January, the doomsday clock is set by the bulletin, their science and security board. And it's actually a public event that you could go to. There's like a dinner, so maybe we we should should go go. next January. I think that'd be cool. I would feel very confused. (laughs) Me too. But I think it'd be I think it'd be cool. We can look into it. Um, unless it's like three hundred dollars, then I don't know. But where is that again? It's um actually it's in downtown Chicago. Oh hey. Yeah. Okay. And you can actually see like the physical clock in their headquarters and it was based in Wow. University of Chicago, but I'm not sure where they are now, but it's in Chicago. Like it's cool. Wow. Every January they decide, you know, they have this I guess kind of event where they announce like where the hand on the clock falls and if things are going well you have more time if things aren't going well you have less time so it's it's by no means an indication of like actual nuclear war is going to happen uh, or the likelihood that it's going to start but they do look at a bunch of other factors including climate change biotechnology, artificial intelligence, cybersecurity, national leaders, and it used to just be, you know, based on nuclear power. The board that decides this is the board of sponsors, and they are 13 noble physicists, smart people. So in the history of the clock, in the 75 years that this has been in existence, the hand, the minute hand, has moved 24 times. So when it first established in 1947, it was at seven minutes to midnight. In 1953, at the start of the Cold War, it was at two minutes to midnight. And then in 1991, it was pushed to 17 minutes to midnight after the sign-in of the START, the start, which ended the Cold War. Oh. So you can kind of see like how certain events kind of changed it. This past year, in January of 2021, we were given the time 100 seconds to midnight. I don't really like that very much. So this is a wake-up call. Uh, This is largely due to misinformation that has been spread, denial that we are in a climate crisis, Mm -hmm. and the fact that leaders are not doing serious action to reverse things or or to change because we are in a critical period where we will have irreversible damage. So this is this was determined to try to shake people, but I think, you know, not a lot of people have heard of it and even though like we don't have 100 seconds to live, you know, but it it's supposed to be a way for us to take action and to kind of have a physical or a tangible way to look at it. Like I said, it's not an exact science, despite being deliberated by, I mean, what I'm speculating to be brilliant people. It's not a forecasting tool. It's not predicting the future, but it gives a scale of what's going on. Uh, We review what has already occurred, 
and what's being done to change. So they look at numbers and statistics. They look at what our leaders and citizens are doing uh, to make efforts of change for good. Uh, it's essentially like a doctor making a diagnosis. So it just reviews like the symptoms and, you know, are you doing this? Are you, do- okay, well, you shouldn't be drinking it. Like it, it's kind of evaluating what can be done and if there's a point of return. I also want to say that, you know, I, if you haven't heard yet, this was based in Chicago and one of the members of the original bulletin was Enrico Fermi. Oh, hey. Which is the physicist that Fermilab that's based in Batavia, Illinois is named after and he was known as the architect of the nuclear age and the architect of the atomic bomb. So I thought that was kind of cool. So the last thing I kind of want to end on to make it come a little full circle is from another great mind. So a couple weeks before his death, Stephen Hawkins gave a final warning as to what he believed would be the end of our world based on the science approach. Right. So he had a couple of different theories as to what could essentially lead to the end. So one of it was artificial intelligence. So he thought that it could get to a point that robots are replacing humans. He didn't trust them, and he thought that they could eventually get to the point where they can have their own willpower and they can thrive without us. He also said that there is essentially no difference between a human brain and what can be achieved with AI. Great. My boyfriend is always really rude to my Alexa, (laughs) and it makes me really mad. Because I'm like, Dave, you got to stop because one day she's going to turn on us and he thinks it's funny. But I'm like, no, like seriously. And I'm like, could you please tell me the weather? And I'm like, please, like don't. Like I'm not, like it's scary. No. There's so many like sci-fi movies about it and it's g- going to become science true. Ugh. Anyway, he also thought aliens will invade our planet and they will either test us like lab rats or they will try to destroy our Earth, destroy us so they can take over our Earth. But Fair. I've said before, like, I, I think they don't want anything to do with us. I think they're like, right. <laughs> Another one is overpopulation. Mm. Also, nuclear and powerful weapons and how people tend to be a little power crazy. He also predicted because of climate change, we need to find a new home in the next hundred years for humanity to sur- survive. Originally, he said a thousand years, and within two years, he revised it to a hundred. So he thinks we need to find another planet. There's a couple of we're behind y'all. I don't know, right? So, I mean, I'm obviously I can't do anything, but I can buy a telescope and be like, go that way. There's also he believes the Earth will combust into flames because of energy Cute. consumption and global warming. He had a lot of other theories, but those were some of the highlights. But I, I tend to, um, there's never really a happy way to end these stories unless we're doing like right. a really goofy one. So I'm gonna read his his final speech. It it moved me. So I, I'm gonna try to end it because you know talking about the end of the world is not yeah. really fun. But his last message to the universe was: We must go to space for the future of humanity. I don't think we'll last another 1,000 years from this speech. He reduced it to 100 in 2017. But we won't last without escaping beyond our fragile planet. 
Humans, who are ourselves mere collections of fundamental particles of nature, have been able to come this close to an understanding of our laws governing us and our universe. It is a great triumph, and I'm happy that I have been able to make a small contribution. So remember to look up at the stars and not down at your feet. Try to make sense of what you see and wonder what makes the universe exist. Be curious, and when there is life, there is hope. And so, I don't know, there's, it it gets me thinking, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying like the world is going to end, but I, yeah, we need to take action and some days it feels like that, but I don't know, let me know your thoughts. There's a lot to explore there. There's other religions, there's other theories, there's other philosophers, so I don't know, but people just like to talk about the end of the world. There's so many movies about it, like, I don't. I just watched a whole season of Supernatural about it. Well, there you go. They had the four horsemen and everything. Really? Mm-hmm. Cool. And the seals. I did not know but that. But they had um, like 666 seals or something. They like took Ha-ha. some creative liberties, you know. <laughs> sure. But yeah. I don't know if you can copyright the Bible, you know. Like, <laughs> no. Make it a little different. Mm. Anyway, I, I thought I, I thought it was interesting. It's super I, I interesting. I hope you did too, but. Thank you. I don't know. I just wish we would be kind and... I get why people think it's the end times now. I can see it. Okay, but like what if the horsemen had really silly names for their horses like the... (laughs) the Peanut. (laughs) Bubbles. Oh. Peaches. (laughs) I am the horseman of war. Come on, Peaches. Let's go get carrots. (laughs) Oh my God. You want some wheat and barley? Even fearsome horsemen need to take care of their horses. Nay. Nay, nay. Nay. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, anyway. Thank so, you. Cool. Hopefully I'll get beamed up. Or like, what if I like start to get beamed up, but then it, it didn't work and I just keep it in the ceiling? <laughs> no, take me. You don't have the right credentials. Oops, sorry. <laughs> Wrong one. Oh my God. <laughs> All right. Tell me. Stuff. Right. This is the story of a of... girl. <laughs> this is the story of a girl. She cried a river and drowned the whole world. It was the apocalypse. Oh it was god. the eighth seal. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> the fifth horseman of drowning. Flood. Emotional rage. Uh, uh, I could see it. Did you hear about the flooding in Germany? Yeah, it's bad. Uh oh. Nervous laughter. This is the story of. A murder. Oh, my. So we're in the mountains in South Tyrol. Okay. Which used to be part of Austria, but is now part of Italy, whatever. Are you mad about it? Um, No, I'm not. But okay. some Austrians, I think, are. <laughs> it's, I don't know. I don't know. Okay. okay. So we're in the Alps on the border of Italy and Austria. Okay. A man is hiking in the mountains with a friend, probably, but we're okay. not 100% sure. But it's beautiful. Literally, it's so beautiful. Like, I I've probably showed you this before, but it's on my bucket list to go to the Dolomites and hike because it looks just like. Is that where Julia Andrews like spun around? It's perfect. It's not, but it's oh. um not that far from there. Anyway, beautiful. I know. I like it. Okay, so that's where we are. Um, I can dig it. I know. Okay, so there's there's a man hiking in the mountains. What's his name? Um, I'll tell you that later. Okay. Probably with a friend. 
but not 100% sure. He's about 45. He has a bunch of tattoos, um, 61 tattoos to be exact. It's a lot of tattoos. Wow. He's about 5'3". Was he in the military? Um, I'm sorry. Just keep going. Okay. <laughs> He's about 5'3", 110 pounds, so like scrawny dude, right? Was we- he like a horse jockey? Oh. 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 <laughs> Maybe. Um, he had like a, a beard, you know. I could, I can picture mountain it. Mountain man. Yeah. He grew up near the Tyrolean city of Feldtorns, or in Italian, Veltorno. Beautiful. Thank you. You should you see could be my on an ad. hand motion that I did there. <laughs> it it um, was truly complete. <laughs> Italian hand gesture. <laughs> um, and that has a population of about 2,700. So it's a really tiny, beautiful little village surrounded by mountains. I want to actually show you this too, just because I thought it was really pretty. It's so cute. It just, it looks like a little fairy tale it's town. It's really cute. I want to go. Me too. Can we go eat bread there? Love nothing more. <laughs> um, okay. But as an adult, he moved about 30 miles away. Okay. To kind of like start his own journey. Uh-oh. You know? If it's anything like last week's episode where they <laughs> moved to nature to do their own thing. Okay. I know. Go I know. On. So this guy was kind of a hippie or maybe a country bumpkin, however you want to call it. He decided to be a shepherd in the mountains. Did he cry wolf? No. Well, I don't, I don't know, but maybe. Okay. Um, He also took up blacksmithing. Okay. He liked axes and stuff made of copper, especially, which is really expensive. Even today. It's kind of like a status symbol. Sure. He struggled with his health though. Oh. He had a parasite called whipworm. That sounds Which horrible. Which sounds disgusting. It lives in your intestines. No. Yeah. Really? Not, not cool. Gross. Um, as well as Lyme disease. Oh. And arthritis. Wow. He had issues with his teeth and he was- Don't we all? Yeah. And he was lactose intolerant. Um, he, he was kind of into like alternative medicine because mainstream medicine wasn't really available where he lived. Sure. Anyway, it's late spring or early summer- around around there so our hiker slash shepherd slash blacksmith was with a friend in the mountains kind of like doing his thing whittling with some copper yeah they may have been hunting they like to hunt as well okay he was kind of like climbing up and down the mountains going towards some destination when he when they would get tired they'd stop to eat food that they brought with them they're on a little expedition so they stopped to eat, but then around an hour later, he was like, this guy was like super tired. He like had a stomach ache, probably from whatever he ate or from his l- weird parasites. Sure. And his luck ran out. Two men ambushed them. Oh, no. And, but he was ready. He had, his parasites were going to transfer over. <laughs> oh, God. So they were hunting the old fashioned way with bow and arrow he the killed the first horseman he killed two of them with an arrow these guys who ambushed them okay like he like hit one and then he like took it out and then like got the other wow one. but he was somehow also stabbed in the shoulder Ow. with an arrow Icky. and his hand was cut like between the thumb and the fourth finger all the way to uh, the bone no. Ew. and he was left face down to bleed out on the mountain. Oh, ripperoni. This guy's body was found face down in the snow by 
German hikers. That would be traumatic. I know. In 1991. Okay. And they were like, oh my God, like, we have found a corpse. Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. (laughs) Oh my God. We have found a body. I'm so sorry to all my German (laughs) listeners. Uh, I I can't be like, I have German friends. Well, maybe I'm not making fun of you. I'm just, anyway, I'm tired. Okay. It's late. (laughs) Oh Um, my God. (laughs) Oh my God. I found a body in the snow. You would not believe the day I had. We went onto the mountain. We were hiking on the mountain. We were going to find blueberries and I found a body. <laughs> I found a human being. Oh, oh God. God. Um, <laughs> anyway. So, in, I was into nature. I was into nature. Okay. I'm so sorry to all Germans. <laughs> so, they were like, oh, my God. Like, this, this guy's a murder victim. Like, he's in the snow. Like, look at him. We should call him. Um, yeah. Uh, but um, so guess when he was murdered. Is this like Otis or whatever? <laughs> the the guy that was like the caveman in the snow. Utsi. Utsi. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Oh I was like. Utsi. When you said like, oh, yeah, he like fell in the snow. I was like, wait a minute. <laughs> <laughs> he was murdered more than 5,300 years ago. That's so long ago. Between. 3345 and 3300 BCE. Otis. That's like before the pyramids were built. Yeah. So this is Itzy. Itzy the Iceman. We don't know his real name, but the scientists named him Itzy. Do you think they're like, Utsi? Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) Utsi Daisy. Oh my god! Um, I'm so sorry. He's gonna he's gonna curse my dreams. He's actually named that because he was found in the Utztal Alps. I like my theory better, but I like yours better. Too. <laughs> Let's see. Let's see. Here's a Um. <laughs> oh gosh. Okay. Oh my god. I can't. Okay. Um, more facts about Utsi. So he lived and died during the Copper Age. Uh-huh. Okay. When when people were learning how to make tools from metal. Was that before or after the Bronze Era? I think the Bronze Era was after. Okay. Yeah, but honestly, like, I'm not an expert I in... I don't know. Human eras. It was a... It was a element on the periodic table and it was an right. era that's all you need to know he was wearing a leather coat made from sheep and goat hides Ooh, a, she she i know fancy a bearskin hat and snowshoes with laces wow he also had a copper axe as i said that he might have made himself a knife 14 arrows and a fire starting kit look at him go i know his last meal was dried ebex meat. What is that? It's like an antelope or something. Oh, okay. That's what that's called? I thought it was a ram. Okay. It's like a goat It's thing. a wild mountain goat. Bleh. Bleh. <laughs> and he also ate deer meat okay. with einkorn wheat, which I think we call... Um, Cornbread. But it's like fancy these days. It's like one of those ancient grains, okay. you know, where it's like really expensive. Oh, okay. But... 
No, Itzy was like, I will eat my einkorn. <laughs> <laughs> yes, hello. <laughs> I am, I am Utsi. <laughs> <laughs> I sound like Valula. Oh my God. <laughs> yes, hello. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I am Utsi. I am Utsi. Um, and the scientists knew, <laughs> the scientists knew what he ate because <laughs> they biopsied his stomach. Okay. As you do. As you do when you find a really, really old corpse. Right. His, the, I found this really interesting. His tattoos were also thought to be some sort of pain relief method because he had arthritis and, you know, all these other health conditions. He was, like, in a lot of pain all the time, probably. And many of the tattoos were concentrated on areas of the body on what we today see as acupuncture points. That's cool. Yeah. So I thought that was really cool because it's like still today, like you get acupuncture in these areas for certain things. That's wild. So yeah. Look at him go. So innovative. I know. It's crazy. So he was so well preserved because he was frozen in the ice, obviously, Mm. on the mountain. And um, you can say hello to him in the South Tyrol Museum of Archaeology in Bolzano, Italy. (laughs) And I want to talk about more preserved bodies. Okay. Um, but first, do you want to see a picture of Utsi? I would love that. <laughs> uh, let me find a good picture. Okay. Wait. I swear he looks better in person. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Like, yeah. Warning. He's a corpse. So, okay. sorry. <laughs> um, it's a little shriveled. Yeah. Hello, sir. Why is his arm like that? Because he was found, like, laying... With his arm under him and then his other arm like that. So they got stuck like that when he... So oh, they just I flipped see. him over like that. I see. Okay. Cool. Um, But th- they kind of like recreated what they thought he looked like. Some, I don't know who did that. That's their model of what he looked like. Okay. that That's so cool. I know, right? What the Isn't heck? That cool? It's really cool. <laughs> I don't understand it, but it's cool. But well, there is one more thing about him I want to tell you. And that's... There is said to be a curse connected. Oh no! And I, I, I. Oh shiitake mushrooms. I'm a friend, Utsi. Um. Okay. Oh no, Elizabeth. I'm scared. Well, so a bunch of people who were involved in like finding him and researching him have died. Okay. How? There, like at one point, there were seven in one year. Okay, who died? Uh, one guy had like a blood disease that he'd known about for a long time, so it wasn't necessarily unexpected. Still sad, but yes. But uh, one of the guys who discovered Utsi felt Helmut Simon fell to his death during a freak blizzard oh. while hiking near where he found Utsi. Okay, and then. And within an hour of his funeral, the head of the mountain rescue team that was assigned to find this guy died of a heart attack. Okay. Then the guy who first inspected Utsi died of MS. Oh, no. And the head of the forensic team died in a car crash on his way to give a lecture about Utsi. And the mountaineer who led people, who led them to the body, died in an avalanche. My God. And the guy who filmed like them removing him from his grave died of a brain tumor. However, okay. on the on the Wikipedia page it says that like hundreds of people worked on on this and it, 
the number of people who have died since the discovery is not statistically significant. So okay. it's, it's just not like, like weird, more than normal. It's, it's just, a weird coincidence. Yeah. But you said seven? Um, seven in one year, but I, I don't okay. know if there have been more. Horcrux. Utsi is a horcrux. Utsi. Um. Okay. Next, we're going to the middle of nowhere in Denmark to a peat bog. And a I, what? A peat bog. And I don't know how to pronounce the name of it. Bjeldskovdal peat. Okay. What's a peat, peat bog? Peat bogs are wetlands. Oh, okay. Where dried or where dead plants accumulate over like a really, really long time. Like a marsh or like a... Yeah. Okay. But these kind of like come together and turn into peat. Which you can cut up, and humans have used it for fuel for thousands of years. They like burn, dry it out, and burn it. Cool. And they're really cool. One, of, it's on my bucket list to walk on one because it's like, um, really squishy when you walk on it. Okay, cool. It's weird. Like memory foam. Have you walked on one? No. Oh. I don't know if there's any peat bogs. I can't think anywhere of anywhere near here. Mm. But they're really interesting. So, in May 1950, two brothers named Vigo and Emil Holgard and Vigo's wife, Greta, Greta. from Toulouse. I'm so sorry, I don't speak Danish. You don't. I don't. So, oh, yeah, this is literally in the middle of nowhere. I can show you on Google Maps. There's, like, nothing there. Okay. Except for this village of Toulouse. And... So they're they're from the village and they're cutting peat, right? Uh, yeah, because they do. they burn peat and I, you know you can sell it too, I guess. So it was a thing. Greta, I think, was the first one to like see something unusual, and well, she was of course the woman. Like we have to right. be on high alert. She was like, mm, "There's something in the peat." You know, I don't like that's <laughs> ominous. <laughs> something in the peat. Could you imagine if you're just like you know going business as usual, like and then. Uh-huh. And I've been like, goodbye. Well, she had no fear because she went out and like touched it. She was Good. like, all right, Greta. She was very like involved. Girl, um, no. Yeah, I would not do that, but you know. <laughs> so it was a it was a corpse. Okay. Um, Good. As you probably expected, and yeah, he, he yeah he was dead. He wore <laughs> I would, a corpse. Okay. He was in the fetal position. Oh. He had a belt on. And he had a leather hat on, and there was a leather, like, rope wrapped around his neck. Ew. Yeah. And that's how he died. He was hanged. Oh. And his skin was, like, really, really dark brown and looked kind of, like, rubbery. Mm. And Love that picture. Kind of like, like a blobfish. Kind of, like, deflated. Oh, okay. Um, he was underneath eight feet of peat, and eight feet of peat. Yeah, he also had. Uh, yeah, he was naked. He also had stubble. Okay. Random fact, but so yeah, so they called the police, um, because they were like, oh my god, like, uh, like kind of like with Etsy, they're like, this guy's a murder victim, like, right, and and. Um, some boy or something from a neighboring village had gone missing the week before or something. And they were like, oh. I bet this is him or something. Like they thought it was someone who had you recently. Know, recently died. Oof. And the police were like, um, no, like he was under eight feet of peat. 
And there that- was no sign of anyone digging anywhere or anything. So they're like, let's call the museum. Fair. And so they did. Um, <laughs> they called the museum. They found that this man died between 375 and 210 BC. Oh, my. So really long time ago. Mm, like- I'd say. 2,000 years ago. Something like that. Really old. Scientists believe, so they call him the Tulund Man, since he was found near there. Makes sense. And scholars believe that he was some kind of ritual sacrifice to the gods. Oh. I'm I'm kind of sad that they didn't actually give him a name. Like, they could have called mm. him Pete, because he was found in Pete. <laughs> oh, my God. I wish. Petition. <laughs> Petition to change Tulund Man's name. <laughs> Yeah, they thought he might have been a fertility offering. Interesting. Because back back then, pre-Christian times, bogs were seen as these sort of like otherworldly places. Sure. And because they were like belonged to the earth, but also to the water and there was no trees around. So it was like the sky and, Just and the whatever. Sky. Um, and also one really cool thing about peat bogs is that they have these things called will-o'-the-wisps, which are like ghost lights that you oh. see above the bog and when you get closer they like move away that's creepy and obviously people didn't know what those were i would have thought it was a. I mean right yeah but actually they're they're from the the gas in this in the bog because all the plants are rotting oh and i don't i don't know exactly how it works but yeah, it's from the gas. I mean, that would be kind of creepy. Oh my god, yeah. Even if even knowing it's gas, it would freak me out. Yeah, no, you for know. sure. I'd be like, oh, this is how I die. Right. And so there's a lot of folklore around those. In Denmark, they thought they were fairies. Yeah, I could see that. In other European countries, people thought they were like, as you said, ghosts or some kind of supernatural monster that leads people to their death. Oh, like a football fish. Oh, yeah. Like a the, with a yeah. little... Yeah. They're, I think they're called a football fish. Oh, yeah. I saw a picture like the of the teethy... That, like the angler fish? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. I, Those things are ugly. Oh, God. Oh, my God. I'm scarred since finding Nemo, but oh go on. I know. Yeah. Like oh, one of those. Yeah. Sometimes people thought they were the spirits of unbaptized or stillborn children. Oh, that's sad. Some believed it marked the location of a treasure deep in the ground. And you found Pete. And to uncover the treasure, you needed magical things, including a dead man's hand. Uh, Which is, I don't know, was I, a thing. I, I feel guess. like those go out of stock pretty quickly. They're on back order. Um, uh, yeah, we're out. Give it like Actually. a day or two. This is year 200. <laughs> so <laughs> we're just low on dead men. So, so yeah, they think that maybe um, killing him would have ensured like a, a fruitful, fruitful harvest and the children um, or fertility. And um, when you put him in the tomb or when you put him in the bog, he would kind of become Im- Im- immortal. Because he would be preserved. I don't know if they knew he would be preserved, but anyway, to Lundman. He was about 40 years old and also about five foot three. Hmm. He could have shrunk though in the box. They're not 100% sure. Fair. They also biopsied his stomach. Like, the science is so cool. They can figure out, they can like replicate these people's lives. It's amazing. Yeah. And they found that his last meal was porridge 
or gruel made from grains and seeds. Nice. With 40 kinds of seeds. Wow. Like, again, these ancient grains. But it was mostly made of barley, flax, something called false flax, and something called knotgrass. Oh, I've heard of knotgrass. Really? Yeah. Oh. They think that he was killed in winter or early spring because that's when they ate lots of porridge. You can visit him at the Silkeborg Museum in Denmark. But unfortunately... Only his head is original. So they put him on display, but he was found in the 50s, and they re- didn't have the technology to preserve his entire body. That's, I guess, So fair. they were like, his head's the most important. <laughs> and so they preserved his head and let the rest of his body decompose. Okay. So he's the rest of his body's fake, kind of like um, Sue. Sue. Yeah. Well, except it's her head that's fake. Um. I mean, they have it on display right. somewhere else, but it was too heavy. Right, exactly. So, yeah. In For 19- those of you who don't know, Sue is the dinosaur at the Field Museum in Chicago. She's the Tyrannosaurus Rex. Okay, sorry. Yes. No, thank you. That's important to add. Yeah, but another thing is that around 500 bog bodies have been found in Denmark. That's crazy. And a lot of them are, like, ancient. That's Like, wild. really ancient. So it's a thing. It's not just him. There's a really good article I read about that talks about a few different ones they're all in different stages of preservation some are just bones others are really well preserved but there were so many of them if they were all sacrifices it shows that peat was really important and they were thankful for the peat yeah let me show you a picture it's just like wild how peat preserves people it looks like he's asleep oh my god i know you can see the wrinkles in his forehead. I know. Isn't that amazing? And I'll, show, I'll show you one more. Oh, my God. But the reason he kind of looks um, like rubbery is because, oh, I, I don't think I mentioned this. So peat bogs preserve bodies really, really well because they are slightly acidic. Interesting. And also there's a lack of oxygen in the bog. Mm. So... Yeah, plus the weather um, in those regions tends to be really cold. So it preserves them uh, really well. It's good to perfect. Know. Um, and here is his face. It's wild. I know. He looks so peaceful. Yeah. Which makes me happy. So, yeah. Okay, we have a couple more here. Okay. We have, we're, now we're going to China. Okay. And I apologize, I'm probably going to pronounce this wrong. Her name was Xin Zhu. She was married to a government official named Li Kang, the Marquis of Dai. And this was during the Western Han Dynasty in ancient China. So it was a long time ago. I'd say. This woman was, yeah, kind of high class. Sort of like a Marie Antoinette style, like very, um, had a lifestyle that was very extravagant. She would hire her own musicians. She also was a musician, but she also really liked the, like, really fine foods, like meats. and same. She had very fancy and expensive clothing and makeup and everything. But, yeah, unfortunately, she also was not very healthy. Mm. 
she was kind of sedentary, like same. <laughs> she she didn't get out much. As I said, her diet wasn't that great. And she had gallstones, high cholesterol, high blood pressure, and liver disease. Oof. Also parasites. Like, also, okay. I, oh. I mean, it was a um, long time ago. I'm sure they didn't like boil the water, you know? Oh, yeah. No, no. Which is so gross. Ew. She had a fused spinal disc. Ooh. And so that also made it so she couldn't really move around. Hmm. She was living the life, but also like did not, probably was in pain for a lot of it. Which so you're going to suffer, but you're going to have fun <laughs> or whatever that. Like, right. Uh, yeah, essentially. Yeah. Um, so then she died oh. at the young age of 50. Um, five zero or yeah, 15? Five zero. Okay. Five zero. <laughs> five zero. And this was in 163 BCE. Okay. So, yeah, long time ago. Very. What happened was she had a heart attack and her last meal was melon. Cool. Again, they. That's amazing. That out. Like so long ago. It was eaten probably minutes before she died. Sad. Yeah. You know, wait, but 50 is like actually pretty old for 150 BCE. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I would say so. Okay. I would but anyway, so. for yeah. our standard, no. So after she died, she was wrapped in 20 layers of silk. Wow. And they put her body in 21 gallons of some sort of unknown liquid. That was acidic and contained magnesium, but scientists don't know exactly what it is. Interesting. But they know there was a melon. Yes. And then she was put inside four coffins, like one inside the other. Like a Russian doll. Exactly. Exactly. They describe it like that in in the article I read. And in the inside of each one, they had artwork um, of like life and death. I love that. Stuff like that. That's actually really cool. Yeah. And then they lined the floor of her tomb with a paste-like soil, and then they sealed it with clay and charcoal. Okay. So that kept oxygen out and bacteria and everything. And then they put three feet of clay on top, so it was basically waterproof. Mm. So this was in one sixty-three BC, and then in nineteen (laughs) seventy-one. Okay. Uh, construction workers were building, I want to say, a sub, an air raid shelter or something. Mm. And they found this. They were like, oh, my God. That'd be also traumatic. This would all be <laughs> very traumatic, but very cool. Yeah. They're like, holy cow, what is this? Cool for everyone else, but traumatic for whoever found it. Right. Well, I don't think they could, like, see her body right away. It was like they just found her tomb, and they were like, oh, it's oh. a tomb. Let's, <laughs> let's call the museum. How was work today? Well. <laughs> right. Her tomb contained over a 1,000 precious artifacts. That's so cool. Including makeup, dishes, wooden figures, which represented her servants. And they even laid out a meal for her to enjoy in the afternoon. Was it melon? <laughs> I hope not. <laughs> oh, my God. um so when they so they took her out like her body out Mm -hmm. of the her coffin and they were astonished because she literally looked like she had just died that's insane yeah her skin felt like the skin of a living person 
That's crazy. It was like soft. Ew. She still had her hair, like all of her hair. Was her makeup still intact? Because I'd like to know the sudden spray (laughs) used for that. That's a good question. Yeah, I don't know. Um, But she had like, you know, her eyebrows, her eyelashes, inside her nose, you know, like hair. was. She looked perfect. They did an autopsy on her. And yeah, like I said, her body was in very similar condition to someone who had just died. Mm. So this is one of the best preserved bodies ever found and really, really important for archaeology, especially in China. However, the pictures of her aren't that great because when they took her out of the tomb and like oxygen got in, she started mm. to decompose. That makes sense. So that's too bad. Yeah, it's it really is too bad. Like I guess they didn't really take any photos immediately. But yeah, also all her organs were there and she still had blood in her veins. That is also insane. Yeah, type what the heck? type A. Basically the the people back then in the Han Dynasty believed that the soul would move into another world for the dead, kind of like an afterlife. Sure. And so they needed all this stuff for the afterlife, mm. which is why they put all this stuff in her tomb. And I think the Egyptians did that too. Yeah. Yeah. I, I've heard that too. And also it was really important. They really valued pa- the relationship between parents and children. Mm-hmm. And so giving someone a, uh, an elaborate burial or giving your parents an elaborate burial was like an honor. Mm. And you can visit her at the Hunan Museum. Another interesting thing is that scientists in China have used her body to try to figure out better preservation techniques for ancient human um, like corpses and remains and stuff like that. So they developed a secret compound that they injected into her to preserve her. And yeah, they're like experimenting on her for science and preserving corpses and stuff. But I'll show you a picture of her. Like I said, she doesn't look that great, to be honest. She's had a rough night. Yeah, it's been a long 2,000 years. Did the parasite survive? (laughs) Um, I would think probably not. But okay. well, I mean, if, I, I don't know if it still had like blood in her organs and stuff. Maybe it could have lived off. Yeah, that's a good point. Okay. <laughs> Oof. You're doing great, sweetie. <laughs> I'm so sorry. I don't mean to insult. I'm just. These I swear good she pictures. has a good. I swear to God. Um, I mean, it's okay. She she died thousands of years ago. I know, but. Like, I don't look that great when I woke up 10 minutes ago, you know, like. But, like, I'm pretty sure, like, you know, like I said, she she looked, like, perfect mm-hmm. when they g- got her out in the 70s, but now it's, like, mm, right. it's, you know, once you're exposed to the oxygen, it, it, like, deteriorates really rapidly, so. I mean, she's got her hair, um, and I'll show you, they have also a model of what they thought she might have looked like. Oh, wow. No, that model's gorgeous. Yeah. All right, and. Last but not least, we're going to go to Latin America. Okay. Okay. Bring me, bring it on. We are going to the border of Argentina and Chile. Okay. Into the mountains, uh, actually to a volcano. Okay. Whose name I have, I, I don't really even know where to start. Um, <laughs> what does it start with? What's the first letter? El Ayaco. Okay, I think I said that wrong. I'm actually I'm certain I said that wrong, but we're gonna go with it. I say 
English words wrong, so it's okay. <laughs> okay, so the, these are actually three mummies. Oh. So on this volcano in March 1999, this guy named Johann Reinhard and his team, they were looking for mummies. As you do. They were. They were looking for um, mummies, and they found some. <laughs> Well, so, good. I'm glad that they found what you were looking is, for. This is not, not a people, great introduction. Some people search their whole life for things. I know. And, okay. I know. So they get to the summit of this volcano, which is like 22,000 feet. It's really tall. Tall boy. Really, really tall volcano. And they find a stone chamber like five feet under the ground. Eerie. And... So, you know, they're like, ah, that this looks promising. Uh-huh. I, I bet there are mummies in there. And, <laughs> okay. and they were right. They, they like, went in. They were looking around. They're like, aha. And so they're, you know. I, I imagine, like, Indiana Jones. Exactly. Like, you know, they're like, oh, they're mummies. Um, so they bring them out. They're wrapped in. They don't know what they look like yet. They're, like, wrapped in these blankets. Okay. And they're they're kind of small. What they found were... Three children mm. who were sacrificed, oh. um, Inca children, they were sacrificed in a religious ritual. Okay. And they were around 500 years old. So they estimate this took place around 1500. Wow. So actually newer than the other mummies. Right. Or um, remains. But yeah, so really, really old. This volcano is in the Atacama Desert, which is the driest non-polar desert on Earth. And that means that the mummies were preserved really, really well. No moisture, yeah. Yeah, and the three that they found are they call the oldest one in in terms of like her age, the maiden or or La Doncella, and then there's the lightning girl, La Nina del Rio, and the boy El Nino. What they believe happened. At least with the maiden, she's the most well-known one because she's best preserved. La Doncella. She was around 13 or 15, and they think that she was picked to be sacrificed about a year before she died. That would be... Yeah. and But so after this time when she was selected, her life changed quite a bit. I'm sure. She was a peasant eating potatoes, basically. And then they, her, um, her diet changed where she was eating meat and like more luxurious foods and stuff. And they can tell all this from her hair, which is like, wow. Ooh, it's like when you look at a tree, like rings. Exactly. Yeah. They can also tell like with um, Utsi and everything, like if they traveled somewhere or like recently or like also by their food, by the pollen in their food and stuff like that. Crazy. So I, it's so interesting because I'm like, so if I go live somewhere else for a year and come back and someone tests my hair, will they be able to tell? Like probably. Probably, yeah. It's wild. Anyway, it's just so cool. It is cool. I'm just amazed that people can figure that out. I know. That's amazing. So she was living a more luxurious life at this time while they were preparing her to be sacrificed, but she was also being drugged um, a lot. So wow. they would give her alcohol called chicha um which is still made today and coca which is what they make cocaine from mm. the the leaves coca leaves that you can chew 
and they kind of drug you a little bit. Some scholars believe that she was something called a virgin of the sun, hmm. which... That sounds like a cruise line. Oh, my God, it does. Well, Virgin Airlines. Oh, kinda. okay, yeah. Um, or a sun virgin who is chosen and she goes and lives with other women who rise up in society. So they become like the wives and priestesses of like the kings and everything and mm. also sacrifices. Like a sorority. Yeah. Yeah. Well, sort of. Kind of. And yeah, in the Inca culture, human sacrifice was for ensuring health and good harvests and good weather. And I speculate, and when I say this is like a high honor, to yeah, be I, I, yeah, yeah, I think it, I think it was. I mean, I'm not an expert, but from what I can tell, it, it was. Yeah, and yeah, also interesting to note the Inca Empire was like the largest empire in the world at this point before wow. the Spaniards came and wiped them out. So hmm. love that. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, that was horrible. So the three children were prepared in the year before they were sacrificed and essentially they as i said were drugged and they were one day brought to the top of the volcano and once they fell asleep they put them in this tomb and covered it up and left them there Mm. so then they would die in there i mean not i mean that's i don't know I, like I, I feel like I can't judge them from like a modern perspective. I'll, like you know, I don't know. In my culture, like human sacrifice is not great. Like that doesn't sound it's great. It's frowned upon. It's a social it's, norm, but it's like little kids, you know. But right. I don't know. Anyway, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say anything about that. So, uh, La Doncella, the the oldest girl, as I said, she was around 13 or 15. She random facts about her. She had a a lung infection when she died asthma i don't know if that's yeah she was wearing a dress she had her hair elaborately braided and they think it was braided like right before they brought her to the mountain and she had a a feather headdress as well cool and she was a half sister of the other girl who was sacrificed Mm. but the boy wasn't related to them and they all died in their sleep well at least they died peacefully yeah yeah they would the Incans would choose women who they thought were particularly gifted or attractive, and they would go out and send someone to like find these girls, basically. She also had ceramics and figurines and textiles with her, and also she had a few gray hairs, huh. which they think were signs of stress. I mean... Girl, same. Yeah. I don't know. Like, being sacrificed would probably be a really big deal. There's a lot of pressure... Yeah. I mean, I don't even know if, like, the extent to which they knew what was going on because they were, like, drugged all the time. Oh. But, yeah. or maybe they did. And they just, like, it helped them deal with it. I'm not sure. I mean, mm-hmm. that's some heavy knowledge. Right. You know, to know you're going to be sacrificed. So the other girl, La Nina del Rio, she was about six. And her mummy was. A, or her body was um, damaged because there was a lightning strike. Oh, wow. And so her face and one of her ears and part of her shoulder were damaged. But her head was like upright like this. They were mm-hmm. all sitting and she was wearing a dress and her skull 
may have been also elongated. I don't know if you've ever like heard about that where they, yeah. Yeah. And also the boy as well. But the boy was about seven and he did not really have a great death. I mean, not that any death was great, but they found blood and vomit on his clothes. Oh. And he had like bugs in his hair and he was tied up. Oh. And he was in the fetal position. He was wearing a gray tunic, a silver bracelet, and leather shoes. And his skull had been elongated as well. And they think he may have died of suffocation. Oh. So he was buried with also small objects. They would depict men driving caravans of llamas. And like I said, they were all drugged and they think that's what made them all unconscious. But the La Dosea, the oldest one, she had, like, way more in her system than the others. Interesting. Maybe because she was bigger and older. Yeah, that could be it. So, and they also found in her mouth um, cocoa leaves. Hmm. And another interesting thing is that to bring them up to this mountain would have been a great effort. Like, with a lot of, they would need a lot of support. So, that would show that... This was a mission that was approved by, like, the highest leaders in the community because they really put forth the resources to build this and bring them all the way up there and everything. Yeah. Today, the mummies are in the Museo de Arqueologica de Alta Montaña in Salta, Argentina. However, there's been some controversy because some indigenous people are against displaying these mummies mm. um, because, yeah, it, maybe they don't think it honors their culture or they're just against it. And some indigenous people um, have said, you know, maybe they should, like they're selling tickets for this, they're getting a lot of money and research, like they should probably share it with, with them. But, yeah. But that hasn't really happened. So it's it's also controversial. Got it. But I'll show you a picture of her. This she's my favorite mummy. It's it's like really just incredible. It like it literally looks like she just fell. Wow, and that's like yeah. the actual mummy. That's not a replica. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, you can see all her braided hair and everything. Yeah, that's crazy. And I also want to show you. There's a clip in this video with the guy who discovered them and he was like the thing that shocked me was her hands and they like show because they were filming the whole thing and they show when they like uncovered her hands and they look like incredible so i'm just gonna skip to that part wow that's insane yeah Yeah, so that's like that gave me chills i know yeah Oh, and I'm sorry. This one more thing. I'm not going to tell you about it. I just, it's just a picture I want to show you. Okay. But this is a post on Reddit. Shout out to Ryan. Thanks for listening. Uh, he sent me this picture when I was talking about bogs, and it's a half-preserved sheep in a bog. No so way. This is like a, a preserved. really metal picture, and I just wanted to show you. Wow. <laughs> 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 yeah. That's all. Uh, wow. Wow. Yeah. Nature is weird. Nature, man. Decomposition of humans is weird. Or should I say nature? Nature. Oh, my God. What the 
French toast. Okay. <laughs> that was what that kind of looked like a like a surrealist painting to me. Yeah. Like right? it's I such a weird I don't know. Like one of your haunted paintings. Leave me. Yes. Yes. I know. It's a haunted painting. I'm haunted by that sheep. Baba. 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 <laughs> well, thank you. My goodness. And thank yeah. you, Ryan, for listening. My gosh. Yeah. Thank you to all of you for listening, actually, to episode Thank 40. You so much. This has been a wild one. Let's see. Wow. <laughs> Let's see. Wow. Yeah, no, thank you for that story. Uh, thank you yeah. all so much for listening. Thank you for your doomsday story. You know, when the time is here, like, you know, we, we have no control over it. So right. we might as well just be nice to people and enjoy the ride. Exactly. That's all we can do. And we can go eat little berries and barleys and bogs corn. and corn and yeah anyway but where was i going with this we would like to thank the artists that have helped us our music is composed by colin whitlish and music production is by justin too and our cover art is by erica chase would you like to tell them where to find us you can follow us on social media on instagram twitter and facebook and be sure to send us an email at theinsomniareport at gmail.com to suggest a topic or send in your own listener report. We'd love to hear from you so we can compile a listener episode. That would be neato. Burrito. I'm Margo. And I'm Elizabeth. Join us next week for another round of Paranormal for episode 41. Let's have some fun. Stay sleepy and spooky and alert. Don't forget to subscribe and give us a rating. If you'd be so kind. On Apple Podcasts. It really means a lot. Or wherever you get your podcasts. Yes. So thank you. That'd be pretty cool. It really makes our week, our month, really makes us smile. So that's that's all. Wash your hands. Watch out for skeleton horses. Watch out for skeletons and bogs, you know? like You never know. If you're near a peat bog, just keep an eye out. In Denmark, if you're in Denmark... If you're in ice or in mountains, like just look out, just look out for everything, okay? Like, uh, there were more corpses I I could have told you about. Some of them were freaky. Maybe I'll say goodbye. I know a thing or two about dead bodies. Let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Ooh. Ooh. All right. Good night. Good night. I'm going to bed. <laughs>